by Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have It, Chapter 2, starring Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, James McAvoy, directed by Andy Machete. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. Today we're closing another film cast. Yeah, we're closing these casks like that, man. We are moving through bottles and casks at a very rapid rate. At a very rapid rate. Yeah, so we're going to be closing this one, King's Landing Part 2, with the release of yesterday's It Chapter 2. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, go check it out in the theaters. If you've read the book and seen the miniseries, a lot of stuff's going to be similar. And there's, there's some different things along the way, too. Yep. We're polishing off the rest of the chestnut farms here. This has been a, a good bourbon to us. Yes. And um, I really like this bottle. Yeah, yeah. I would, I, I would buy that one again. Yeah, me too. I wonder if they do any kind of like any kind of special like single barrel releases or like like special special distilling um, bottles. We'll have to kind of look into that. Chestnut farms, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But uh, cheers to all the listeners in the past couple weeks. You know, for just doing cool things from making cool Pennywise it pictures for us to just the 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 amount of feedback. Uh, um, uh, my friend Rachel wrote an entire like thing on our episode last week. She called it Rachel's Rebuttal. Beautiful. And it was just it was just she was just talking about, you know, how we kind of got into, you know, the character's name and the film of the title. And while most of the times that is true, there are exceptions to the rule, Wizard of Oz, Moby Dick, films like Rebecca, where the title isn't necessarily the main character. And she brought up some really good points. And then talking again about those parents and that whole conversation we had. And if you didn't, if you didn't hear it, go listen to that episode and listen to that. But I thought she brought up some great points. And what I loved most about Rachel's response was the type of discussion we're eliciting in our listeners is very fascinating. And I really enjoy that. Whether it's falling on what the side that you're you're kind of into or mine, or they're just totally forming their own basis and opinions i love that i mean it's it's great grounds for film discussion she capped that off by saying p.s another rebecca is on the way i can't find a ton of information but it looks like netflix is producing with army hammer and lily james so that could be cool let's kind of see how that turns out so that's interesting because they've got season two of the haunting of hill house which is turn of the screw Mm -hmm. by henry james and now rebecca yeah so that's an interesting sort of approach with some sort of classic horror. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really say Rebecca horror, but there's that tint to it. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you, Rachel. I, we, Matt and I would love to have you on this show one day. I think we could have some really great conversations about, you know, anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's bring her on. Excellent. Well, uh, let's get right to it. Our flight question. I, I just told you a second ago, Matt, I think this might be my favorite flight of the entire podcast since the beginning. And, you know, kind of talking about horror being that, you know, it came out in 2017 was a gigantic monster hit. I read the numbers for you last week, all the records it broke. But since 2010, there's just been so much great horror, whether that released through the studio system or through smaller, more independent studios like A24, Annapurna. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had some great stuff. So my question to you is, what are your top three favorite horror films since 2010? We'll do round robin like we usually do. Okay, so number three for me is The Conjuring. We've talked about it a lot. You know I love that film. Mm -hmm. I love that film. I love the promise that it had. They've hung themselves up a little bit with their insistence on perpetuating the Annabelle story. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's such a great character. Yeah. Um, 
Look, we talked about it a ton, so I don't want to get into it. We've gone over The Conjuring a lot ad nauseum to a point. And I love that film. It It's not only my third in 2010 and beyond. Yeah. It's top maybe five to ten ever. It would change a little bit depending on if we sat down and really hammered it out, which maybe we can think about doing. Yeah. As a one-shot one day here or something. Uh, I'm with you. I really like that one. I really like the second one, too. It's kind of all the excessive Annabelle and Nun spinoffs that I kind of can't get on board with. Yeah. And there's just so much story to tell there with the Warren's treasure trove of just artifacts that... I'm just a sucker for a good ghost story. And if you can deliver that in an interesting way and a unique way, then, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, say that all the time. Interesting and unique. Easier said than done. It does it for me. Like, I I love that film. Yeah. Love it. Love your love your number three. Yeah, my number three actually. So in from two thousand and into the twenty tens, there's been a ton of horror remakes, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get behind just because I am such a creature of habit. Just I love the originals so much. And speaking of which, last night they showed a trailer for a new Black Christmas remake that I saw that too. Hor- horrific! Like I I want no part of that movie. You really you're not going to see. I'll it? probably see it, yes, but ay 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 ay. I know. That'd be the second failed remake of that franchise. Oh, you mean horrors and it looks atrocious. Yeah. The, oh, oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, don't, I don't want any part of that movie. But you anyway, all heard that. I promise you he's going to see it anyway. He'll see it and just like hate himself watching it. <laughs> but if there was one remake I think I followed more closely than any of the others from its from like 2006 and we finally got it in 2013, that has to be 2013's The Evil Dead. Here's a remake that I don't think, I, I don't know what a lot of people tended to expect. Was Ash going to be a character? Was Bruce Campbell going to be in it? Was Sam Raimi going to be involved? There was a little bit of yes to all of that, but Fetty Alvarez, the director, put this film together that's a pretty basic remake of the original, but they did not hold the punches back on the gore level. Right. You and I went to see this film on opening night. Yeah. Whether it's the box cutter on the tongue Ooh, or yeah. the syringe and the guy pulls the needle out of his like eye. Oh. It was very unflinchingly uncomfortable on on the gore level, and I think that's what the Evil Dead remake needed to be. It needed to be unapologetic. Yeah, that's been a fun one to watch, and I know a lot of Evil Dead fans out there that can really get behind it too, because it doesn't try and reinvent the wheel. It just you know expands on what that first film already set up. If the first film had had a budget in '81, right? That's what it is. A different envision, but delivered equally well yeah we talked about that a little bit last week off mic mm-hmm. how that seemed to you know most people that like evil dead like that film mm-hmm. i don't think i've never talked to people that are super disappointed by what it was yeah and then it just there's plenty more to go if you want to go mm-hmm. to evil dead 2 and army of darkness and however you want to play that out yeah and there was discussion early on about mm-hmm. a sequel yeah. and good luck and no it just know. it's gone i don't know why they couldn't get that out because it made money too but yeah that's my number three great choice yeah boy that's a good start mm-hmm. huh? conjuring an evil dead there you go my number two it follows excellent that's such a genius movie mm-hmm. um i think we're at an interesting phase in horror right now from 2010 till now yes. and we're sort of exploring maybe some themes that are unique or new to horror not to film but to horror whether it's a social context or um you know maybe character driven or like i saw ready or not this last weekend Mm -hmm. which is actually some pretty scary moments and some really funny moments in there too Uh i think it follows is really important because it attacked the idea of horror as std for a very layman's terms way of of uh, presenting that film okay um it's grainy. 
The score is not refined. You didn't know any of the actors. It felt like an independent horror movie that was true to the vision of the script and the director. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy with that film. This Mm -hmm. stalking, plotting thing that just is going to chase you down. And the way to get around that is to go sleep with someone else. You know my favorite part in the whole movie is? Mm. It's when they drive by the street corner filled with all those prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And he knows that there's... 15 outs right there. Yeah. But then if you take that route, then you put that person into jeopardy. And it eventually comes back to you. It's just so brilliant. Yeah. And it's scary. And I love it. I love that one too. I'm really ashamed that I I couldn't include it on this list. But yeah, everything from the very Carpenter-esque like synthesizer score to just like, just people like old people naked is so frightening. (laughs) With a guy on the roof, like when they're backing away, like it's just everything's so unnatural and so unnerving and in such a, such a unique way in that film. Yeah, I, I really like It Follows. Yeah. All right. Great. Let's hear your two. Excellent. Matt, I've told you so many times how much I really like. I don't even know if I want to call it indie as much as like it's just like these second tier studios making all these horror films, whether it's 824, Annapurna, you know, and just ones that I can't even name off the top of my head. It's been a plethora of amazing horror films in the last nine years, from everything from It Follows to The Witch to The Invitation to The Babadook. But if there's one of those films that I think has done it better than any of them, it has to be Hereditary. Um, Yeah, uh, A24, Tony Collette in an amazing performance in a pretty, you know, domesticated horror meets kind of like cultish type of sentimentalities with a bit of possession matt you and i went to go see this film together and you know that there's that moment the the beheading moment and it's such a shocking and jarring thing that i was like it just leaves you stunned yeah and as the film progresses i think the 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 film it just leaves such an effect on you i know that that's a one that really troubles a lot of people gosh that that one stuck with me a, a long time that's that's my number two I guess I'll just comment on your number two with that's my number one. Mm -hmm. That's how much I loved that film, too. Mm -hmm. Superbly acted. I think Gabriel Byrne is forgotten in that film. He's terrific. I don't know what the little girl's name is that's initially Mm -hmm. possessed by whatever entity is there. Yeah. Satan. Mm -hmm. She's really good. Um, The kid from Jumanji that's in there Mm -hmm. as the brother. Yeah. He's really good. Like, we can say, I think I can say, Mm -hmm. The Exorcist is really well acted. Yeah. And it's really off-putting. Mm-hmm. And for me, this movie is right up there next to it. Yeah, It's been a long time. And this includes, and we both had the same similar experience with Paranormal Activity 1 yeah, and yeah. maybe 2, yeah. that I left a movie as uncomfortable as I was. Now, I didn't have a hard time sleeping or I wasn't scared. But, man, I was really in a, in a place that was provoked by thought and, and wonder and challenged that pagan ritualistic stuff really gets me. Like mm-hmm. for horror, that's really scary yeah. for me. Yeah. And that part of it was really creepy. Uh, yeah, man, I, I love that film. That's, I mean, literally the end, the little girl's head on this like trophy with the beheaded grandmother and the mother. Which means someone went and picked it up after it was decapitated. Oh, yeah. Everyone's going, hell, payment. Like, it's just so unnerving. Yeah. It's it, That one sticks with you. And the, and the musical score in that final bit, if you're laughing or like think anything's funny about any of that, and if that's not 
jarring you like yeah go get your head examined because like that'll do it that's a terrific horror yeah Oh. Excellent. Okay, let's, I'm dying to hear your number one because I for certain that was going to be your number one. My number one, again, kind of looking at some of, a lot of those those indie films. You know, with horror, you know, I like a unique concept. I like you know strong female lead when when done well. I like you know if you can throw tinges of humor in there. You know, you know, kind of slasher esque is kind of along the lines of where I go. And if there was one film in this entire span that did all of that, and it's just such a satisfying ride, it's Your Next. This is a home invasion type of film. I said this like family reunion, this family weekend gathering, and the twist is fairly formulaic. You can kind of see it coming, but from the opening bit to where they played this song by the Dwight Twilley band called "Looking for the Magic," that will be forever stuck in your head. To just going like totally for the gore, for the shock, with twinges of dark humor, and with the the, the second to third act reversal recognition, totally going like the Home Alone route. It's a fun, awesome ride that has a little bit of everything for for the horror fan. That's I think that's why I like it so much. It's it's not strictly like a, like a gore like horror film. It's it's got like you know that revenge element built into it. It's got the final girl component. It's got that comedy in there. Yeah, it's I really love your next. You've talked about that film a lot with me, so mm-hmm. I know that you do love it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what I mean, I, you described it really really well. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did the invitation have any consideration on your list? Have you seen the invitation? Yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of like filtering in number two. It was in kind of my honorable mention list. That was one that I kind of kicked around the idea too, like a dinner party that just goes south. That's a good movie. And I didn't think I'd seen that movie. And then I remembered as I was doing some research that I read the thing. I actually have seen that yeah. film. Um, that one is one that's creepily eerie too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm just curious what, if that was something that was in you. Definitely. And uh, there's another good one too called Hush. Yeah. It's about a woman who's deaf who's in like kind of lives in the in the middle of the woods and she's an author and she's terrorized by this guy. So it really plays on the senses of what she can hear based on like what he's doing. That's another really good one. Mm-hmm. I think that's bold films maybe. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. I I, I know Get Out and Us like totally kind of in the conversation too like like Horace is doing such a cool thing. Can I mention two films, though? Yeah. One, I think the most wasted opportunity. Mm. They course-corrected the franchise, I, I get, I guess. But the first Purge was such a slam-dunk uh, concept like yes. Yes. that I it just did not... A del- million-dollar idea delivered in a five-cent model. Yeah. And that first film just does not do it for me. That's kind of... I, I, that really bugs me. And then another one I want to say most overrated in that time span... Cabin in the Woods. I just to I, that I can't do that the, movie. Fucking sucks. I can't do that one. I agree. It's that's that movie's trash. And that that I, came up on a couple of lists that I was looking at. Yeah, and I'm just that's just such a head shaker scratcher for me. That movie yeah. sucks. And I like Joss Whedon. I like do too. I like his writing, but just like it's too self referential. Whereas some a film like Scream, Kevin Williamson's script is much more. Uh, much more smart than something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, when I was doing my research, I was looking up some lists and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, most overrated in that span. Because I know everyone loves that movie. Not everyone. I don't. So, squared. Excellent. Those are great lists. Let us know what, what, what your, what your um, picks would be. That I mean, just think of that, Matt. 2010 to 2019, all the films we just mentioned and didn't mention. Great year. A great nine years, ten years for, for horror. Like, 
It's pretty good. Can I ask you a question or two questions? Yeah. Do you consider Black Swan a horror film? Hmm. Close. Very. Do you consider Annihilation a horror film? Close. Very close. I, I know. All right. Same. I'm just curious. It's like it's like teetering on that line. Annihilation a little bit more for me <clears throat> maybe than Black Swan. But sure. Possibly yes, right? To mm-hmm. both? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. That. Well, here we go. Are you ready to perform the ritual of Chud, Matt? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get to it. Let's get to our review breakdown of It Chapter 2. Chapter 2 begins in a bit of a similar way to the prior film, with the same music, the same titles, the same title cards, but this one we start at the funfair carnival that's kind of going through Derry right now, and we meet this couple that's harassed by this group of, again, bullies. Derry just has a bully problem, you know what I mean? This is Henry Bowers 2.0. More on him later, <laughs> but uh, they they kind of get the shit kicked out of them. It was, it was kind of that was kind of a, a, a difficult scene to watch. They're just they're just taking it and they throw him over into the water, and as he floats down, he's greeted by oh our our villain of the film, our antagonist, Mister Pennywise, who's kind of like leering at him. I got to tell you real quick, Matt. Like so, this sequence actually from the book. So the the, the way the book starts, it's. The first passage is Georgie in the storm drain, and he gets taken in and chomped and killed and whatever. And then the next passage is actually this bit. It's identical to like how it happens in the film. I'm immediately having just kind of just reservations already with just the depiction of Pennywise here. It's just too much already, like at the beginning, you know what I mean? Like him opening up opening up his teeth and then just chomping on this dude's chest like pulling his heart out or whatever i think the scene is interesting enough and that pennywise is back Mm -hmm. but there are a couple of things that happen in this scene that interested me early on Mm -hmm. and that is okay so pennywise actually isn't devouring a child yeah it's pretty much a grown man Mm -hmm. and 27 years have passed yeah and i want to know because when we last saw Pennywise, yeah, he was all shriveled. He was defeated. Yeah, yeah. So what <clears throat> has brought him back? Mm-hmm. Now the on the nose bit about the bullies who are attacking the homosexual couple plays in 1989, maybe mid 80s, maybe. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, it doesn't play like there. I'm not trying to. There's still people that don't like homosexuals mm-hmm. and fuck them. Yeah, but. I just thought that that was such a weird entry point into the conflict Mm -hmm. with these rednecks and these other guys. There could have been something that seemed a little bit more contemporary Mm -hmm. than redneck dairy. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I buy redneck dairy. But at this point, like, and we're seven ish minutes. I don't know, five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Pennywise is back. So I guess we've accomplished that. Pennywise is back. He's back. And now this is a force to be reckoned with. So the one lone member of the Losers Club who we find out that stayed during this duration is Mike Mike Hanlon, who's living in the attic of the library of the of the library. Yeah. And just listens to the police band all night. He's like Spider-Man up there. (laughs) Yeah. But he catches wind of this thing and is immediately on the horn with the rest of our the rest of our gang. Um, 
So let's kind of talk about that kind of right away because this is a fairly long movie. I just want to say right away, maybe 20 to 30 minutes a little too long. Like I thought a lot could have been kind of trimmed out of this. Like, And I know we're adapting that behemoth of a book, you know what I mean? But I don't know if we need like every kind of detail and the, the end sequence does get a little over long for myself. Can I say something about what you just said? Yeah. Okay. I think it's an hour too long, mm-hmm. but it's 250. This hour's this movie's I think it's 249 and change. It's Lengthy. a long Lengthy, film. Yeah. It felt long to me mm-hmm. too. I'm not trying to say that making movies is easy. And I don't want anyone that's listening or you to think that yeah. I feel like making movies is easy. No, it's, it's incredibly difficult. <laughs> yeah, very difficult. Let me talk about some other things that are difficult. Yeah. Dunking from the foul line. Mm-hmm. Breaking four minutes in the mile. Yeah. Getting a 10 on the balance beam. There's lots of people in those three endeavors that have tried. Couldn't dunk from the foul line. Mm-hmm. Couldn't break four minutes until Roger Bannister. Yeah. Couldn't get a 10 on the balance beam. Mm-hmm. And they just, like, I appreciate the efforts but they end up just being participants or maybe contestants. Yeah. That being said, I'd like that frame of reference to be established because I know how difficult it is to adapt that tome of a novel that is 1,200 pages. Yeah. That's probably why they've never tried to even consider doing The Stand as a film. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the same thing. But that being said, yeah. yes, right, yes. Mm-hmm. We are five plus hours mm-hmm. into this series now. That's... A lot of movie, man. Mm-hmm. And we've talked, at least I've talked about it a lot. I think you pretty much agree most of the time. And yeah. that's less is more. Oh, yeah. And so that being said, I know how hard that is. Less is more. Adapting that novel in less is more is, I know it's difficult. But if efficiency and story expertise drive you towards a, a story that moves quickly, then this is. The person that was three steps in from the foul line and maybe dunked it, but was just a participant. Yeah. This is just, in that regard, Mm -hmm. this movie's just a participant. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot about the time in this for me. And I wanted to get that out there right away to establish my take on um, the difficulty of that as it's acknowledged. But when it's done well, it's sub four minutes. It's Dr. J. It's... I don't know, whoever 10 on the, like one of those, it's, it's that moment. I guess I'll kind of like adhere to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. I think that's a very good example of three pretty long films being adapted from books. But I think all all the sequences within all of those films, like that, they suit the film well, even the extended versions. And that's, that's an even longer journey, but like it's, yeah, I'm with you. Like to me, the first film didn't feel like, over long, it was like what 215, 210. Like it still moved at a pretty decent pace and everything kind of moved well. Here, like I kind of felt like we were slogging through like various parts of this film. Yeah. Um, yes. This beginning, some in the middle, and then especially at the end. And I, that's just, it's, it's King's source material. I mean, it's just, it's just so complicated. And I want to talk more about that and kind of where I love King and where I just kind of. I just jump out of the plane with King. Hopefully I have a parachute when I'm jumping out. But let's talk about our new Losers Club now. We're 27 years older. Uh, We're kind of 40s, 40-ish. 40-ish, early 40s. And we kind of get a little bit of them build. Denbro is a screenwriter uh, working on, on a film set. This is kind of pretty true to his book counterpart. We have, you know, um, 
We got forget all these people's names. Richie. Again. We got Richie Tozer, who's a stand-up comedian. It fits his personality, I think, pretty well. That, that, that was a change done in the miniseries. In the book, he's actually a disc jockey. So I think this one fits him pretty well. We have Ben Hanscom. He's an architect. And Eddie Krasbeck is a risk risk adjuster, a risk, risk assessment guy, which I think fits him pretty well. That one fits really well. Yeah. In the book, he's a limo driver for, like, celebrities and stuff. So Yeah, no, that's a better upgrade. A decent change, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then who's, who's the one I'm forgetting? Beverly. Uh, Beverly, yeah, who's kind of married into this very wealthy man and kind of in a really troubling relationship in herself, very reminiscent of her childhood, in matter of fact. Right. And then we got Stanley, who's kind of like a family man. I, I can't remember what he what he did for a living in the book, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah, because he's he's out and gone before you know it. Right. So, Matt, what do you think of this new casting of these adult losers? I like James McAvoy. I really like Bill Hader's series on HBO. Barry, do you mm. watch Barry? Mm-mm. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica Chastain is one of my five favorite women in film right now. Mm-hmm. I think she's a terrific actress. I think she's breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. I'm a huge Jessica Chastain fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones are okay. <clears throat> I mean, maybe I've seen them, maybe I haven't. It doesn't matter. It essentially so. revolves around those three characters. Yeah. Do, you f- do you think they fit their personas properly? The Stanley guy literally looks like the same guy 27 years later, as so does the um, Eddie guy. Yeah, Those two dudes are spot on. Yeah. Um, and what about Mike? I kind of noticed in Mike Mike's mannerisms that kind of like intensity, like he 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 kind of fit that too. So this is kind of interesting. I don't know if this has ever been done on film before. Were these actors trying to do performances based on what the younger actors had established, or are they trying to kind of do their own thing? Because I kind of felt like they were playing a little bit of because Bill Stutter comes back kind of a thing. Like you know what I mean? That's that's success in one of two ways. That's either written really well so it tells them how to do it. Yeah. Or that's the research done from the actors. Yeah. To make sure that they followed through with the child versions of themselves. Yeah. I think that's a success in the film. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely my favorite part of, of of this film was actually seeing how well it, from children to adult they were able to kind of keep it. It's. Again, we, we had that test. Were we able to kind of tell? And I thought we were able to tell kind of who the characters were. I think, yeah. Okay, so yes. Yeah. If you've got a three-hour-long film mm-hmm. um, and the movie is post or sequel to the first one, I don't know if it's such a terrible idea to enter. Like, okay, so we go through the bit with the guy in the river and he gets eaten, the gay guy that gets eaten by Pennywise, yeah. and then we move back to the losers and... Mike shows up on the scene and finds the blood written on the wall that says, come home. And now we go into what we know has to be the story, which is the losers coming back home to Derry. Correct. I, I think at this point, it might have been a good idea to show them with the ritual of the blood brothers and sisters where they hold hands, mm-hmm. to flash back to that and then go from each one of them to the adult version of them. Mm, that could be just, cool. Just to help the audience tie young and older together. Mm-hmm. Now, I was able to do that, but it took a couple minutes. Sure. I, I struggled with the Eddie character first, remembering, and I just watched this last week. Yeah. Struggling, oh yeah, he's the germaphobe. Um, oh yeah, Beverly, she's the one who has terrible taste in men. Mm-hmm. This is going somewhere. Yeah. This is Richie. He just has a dirty mouth, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that later, because mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, Mike, I guess, who's the victim of racism uh so he lives in the attic yeah um bill who 
I don't know if we've seen someone die more in film since the death of Bruce Wayne's parents in Batman than we've watched Georgie fucking die in this movie. Um, oh, yeah, so he's still trying to get over, I guess, regret or guilt. Oh, we could go on and on and on. And this is a this is going to be an inconsistency for me in the film, and it has to do with what I talked about last week. And, I, and for me, this only reinforced it. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the original point here, though. Jogging us uh, to remember who they are now is a good idea. I will say this. Mm-hmm. If Ben, I think his name's Ben, that's the one that I liked, yeah. was the fat kid, yeah. I think his development as an adult mm-hmm. makes sense. But, man, I think this is a really golden opportunity that they missed. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ben is afraid to talk to people like a social outcast. Mm-hmm. We should have opened on Ben in the gym working out. Or in the meeting. Why like Why per- is he Skyping? In person, yeah. That made no... And yeah. Anyway, okay, so... No, I, I know what you mean, yeah. It would have been a, a nice to see him assert some type of power over this, like, over this new body that he has. Because you... you co- in a couple of them, you sort of get that they've kind of moved on a little bit at the age of 40. He <clears> clearly <throat> has because he's got this Adonis-like physique. I love that line. It's like you're every Brazilian soccer player ever wrapped up into one. Yeah. Handsome guy. Good yeah. looking. Yeah. You know, the, like, so he's overcome his obesity, youth obesity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's the direct tie between the other ones and that. But regardless, back to what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, in three hours, you certainly have time. Yeah. Spend two minutes showing them now and then them then. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. I think this this bit this bit works for me. I'm able to kind of pick up, you know, pretty quickly who's who's mm-hmm. who. Because I'm, 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 I'm better with names, too, so I'm able to kind of register. But I, I, I like how they kind of introduce them kind of, kind of quick because, Matt, in the book, it's like another 300 pages. <laughs> like, it's a long time to get them back together and back to this freaking town. Yeah. So they get to there, we get to, we have this meeting at this Chinese restaurant, and this is kind of, we've kind of now realized that the farther out from Derry they go, the less that they remember about this thing. So that's why every one of them kind of answered, oh, Mike, I like Mike who kind of a thing. Yeah. And he's kind of had to remind them. So the closer they get back to the heart of this uh, this town where the root of the problem is when they everything starts flooding back to them. And, and I, th- I think a pretty fun scene of them kind of recollecting and talking about or like, yeah, I stitched you up when Bowers almost like sliced you up. It's kind of this is like friends kind of remnant. This is like the reunion kind of bit. So we're talking at the Chinese the restaurant. The Chinese restaurant, yeah. We're going to get into a consistent um, premise or, or process in this film, which is the process of six. Yeah. Everything has to be done in six now because it's an ensemble Correct. piece. Correct, yeah. Of the losers, I would argue mm-hmm. Bill's the leader of the losers. Yeah. But they all have their moments where they chip in yeah. and such. Yeah. Um, this, this bit in the Chinese restaurant where they get back together to have kind of a last supper of sorts, if you Ooh. really want to be honest That's about it. It's a nice it. way to put it. Um, man... I found myself, you probably don't watch Big Little Lies, do you? Mm-mm. I don't know why I was watching that show, but okay. I was watching it. Okay. And I eventually had to stop because everybody in that show is just so, ug- I don't ugly like facially, just such ugly people, yeah. like terrible, terrible people. Yeah. And this took me right back to that Big Little Lies place. Mm-hmm. I found myself in that scene, I actually leaned over to my wife and said, I don't know who I can get behind in this yeah. because Eddie and Richie are so big in those scenes sure. and dominating it so much. And Bill Hader is so foul mouthed hater. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. It stole the scene. Yeah. And then what ends up happening in that is as they get their fortune cookies, 
they come to reveal that Stanley isn't there because he has committed suicide through this piecemeal pe- bit yeah. puzzle piece yeah. of these fortunes. And then this is to me. Oh no no no! I'm not even going to disagree with you here. This wait, th- and this is just a jumping off point wait, for wait. me. I just don't know why the choice with the monsters that came out of the fortune cookies was the choice that it was. Yeah. Like it's a weird crab thing with the kid's face. It's a singular bat wing in one of them. An eyeball. A fucking eyeball. And then all of that sort of breaks down into a flood of bloody tar at the table. Yeah. That Mike starts like that to me. And this is, I I timed it. Yeah. I looked, we're 40 minutes into the film Mm -hmm. at this point, Mm -hmm. Jesse. And we're just now beginning. This is like kind of the inciting incident. Sure. We're just now starting the quest. That was just very, a very odd choice for me. I don't think anyone's going to say that was scary. No, it's not scary. And this is the problem with a lot of modern horror films is this over propensity to overuse CGI effects. Yeah. Yeah. You know me, man. I'm a practical man. That's why I love the thing so much. Yes. Speaking of which, oh, don't you had to have been beside yourself. You had to have been. Please tell me. Yeah. Thank you. Like I, I didn't know if I wanted to call it like homage or ripoff, but I'm citing on ripoff just because of just it's just so out of place in the film. Well, well there's a lot of that ripoff coming yeah. up. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. This kind of reminded me a lot of Aquaman. Oh yeah, like kind of like kind of playing on different tropes and genres from different films. Yeah, but yeah, it's just when you overuse yeah. it, it becomes less scary. It becomes almost comical, almost comedic, and. I don't know if that's the goal you want to go for when you're trying to instill fear in the characters and in the audience. Uh, you have just said something that is so profound to me. Can yeah. I take this and run with it for just a minute? Go ahead. I don't want to step on yeah, your Yeah, yeah, good. You have said mm-hmm. what to me is the place that I find myself post-watch with It Part 2. Yeah. Is this movie mm-hmm. a horror film or is this a coming-of-age film? I will contend Despite what the answer may be, for me, yeah. the answer is neither of them work yeah. at all. I don't know if they work together. Okay, it's either A or B. Yeah, it's either because it's not. It's and there's the, like the science, horror, and, it's easy. It's not scary. And then there's science fiction in there to kind of like confuse it even more. The like, movie's not scary, and we'll get into the character bit too because I think that's maybe where I'm leaning at this moment right now. But yeah. I got a lot to say about that. But let's keep going with the story. Sure, I, I yeah. Or maybe I stole your thought. Did you want to go back? No, to what no, you no. Said? Like okay. I'm with you. Like I don't, I don't feel fear in this scene. Like it's just, it's almost like it's a comedy of errors here, and it's just too much computer for me. So they dispel it. It's all kind of a ruse. We get a nice kind of relief of tension where they're smashing the table and no one else sees this but them. Like this is kind of Pennywise kind of playing with their head right now. Right. So we kind of get to it. They're out. Like they want nothing to do with this. Mike's a crazy man. I'm, I'm getting out of here. We're going back. We're going to get out of here. But Beverly's because she's again, man, this is king. I swear to God. Because she saw the deadlights in the first film when Pennywise opened his mouth and she's has this, she now has uh, precognition, uh, pre- can see premonitions before they happen. Yeah. So she's seen Stanley's death happen already and kind of has seen their fates play out in a variety of different ways. So she's kind of like lukewarm to kind of leaving. Um, but yeah, this is interesting. Like I, deadlights, like it's just... A king just is so fantastical. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I, I know when he can have restraint in this regard. Okay, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Go back to like what I said earlier for me, and that's the pacing of this film. Yeah. Isn't a quicker... We know that they're eventually all going to get on board. Yeah. Like, otherwise, there's no movie. Sure. 
So why are you wasting around, like dicking around with this? Let's just get it going. Here's here's a way to go through all of this. It takes this Chinese scene out of it, all this. Yeah. What if, if Beverly has these precognition deadlights ability to see people's deaths. Okay, okay. She has, we we start, ugh, this is troubling in screenwriting, and I'm not, but I'm going to do it anyway. We start with her having a nightmare of Stanley killing himself. Okay. And then Stanley kills himself because he's having another version of the same nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then we speed up this, I have to make six phone calls. I have to have six rememories of what the kids were. Six, 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 six. And she just says... Guys, I'm worried. We've got to show up. And Mike's already there. We've cut your 20 minutes out yeah. of the film, and away we go. I know that's not the book. You're Who cares? S- you're sour mashing the book, which is, I think, what needed to happen here. This was my 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 biggest worry going into part two of this story because yeah. part one is far more interesting. It's, it's more, not even close. It's, yes. it's, it's more about the clown. It's the kids kind of trying to grow up, find themselves, and overcome right. their fear. Like I'm, I'm more about that. And then here it, it's the, the 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 space creature and the the the, the spider and it's just it, it's so ridiculous. I knew they were going to have to kind of fix some of this, and they did a little, but not quite either. The reason I love what you're saying right now yeah. is because I agree with it. No, yeah. But what I'm this goes back to like there are a lot of people that tried to run a sub four minute mile, yeah. and they didn't do it until they did it. Mm-hmm. Going back to because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is not easy, and I'm giving a definite nod yeah. to Machete about that. Like yeah. I'm with you, dude. But that's the difference between just being a contestant, yeah. a film, yeah, and really being something memorable. Yeah. If you want more feel to my argument, go watch the miniseries. Because it's, it's a tale of two halves, too, with the kids, Tim Curry, Pennywise, and then as the adults, the adult part is almost unwatchable. Like, it's so bad. So, well, I mean, okay, I, I, we're, we're bordering on that right now for me yeah. again. There's, an, there's, an hour <laughs> in, man. There's some things in here that are going to save it for me, but along the way, there's just there's just a lot of troubling things. So can, can we kind of get to, to the moment here? So Mike takes Bill up to his attic shack. Oh, boy, here we go. And he... <laughs> Make, he drugs him with, mm-hmm. with the water so he can see this vision that Mike had went and met these Native Americans and found a way to defeat Pennywise through this thing called the Ritual of Chud. Have you ever seen the movie Chud? Actually, the humanoid underground dwellers? Early HBO, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I thought about that. I was like, are they talking about the Chuds in this movie? I know. <laughs> but no, it's this something else. They make Mike smoke, smoke a bunch of peyote probably and... He hallucinates to find this ritual that if they come together and dispel like these kind of artifacts and these relics, um, they're, they're through the power of like overcoming their fear, they can defeat the monster here. But they have to do it together. Now, this is all very interesting, and I actually you came into my mind when I was watching this part. So this is setting. Did up, you hear me? No, no, no. Two theaters over. Like, oh my god! Could you hear me? Well, not that part, but like maybe opt- optimism. Just because what it's setting up is a quest of sorts. Ah, you know me very well. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Matt loves this type of right. Thing. So now they're questing for artifacts, which sets them on their own separate paths to come to kind of together. I was like, Matt might actually like this part. Isn't this kind of though? This kind of reminded me too. My wife's gonna kill me. It's kind of very Harry Potter-like, too. This is the finding of the Horcruxes to, like, defeat 
Voldemort. I know she's going to say that I'm totally wrong in that regard, but that's what it felt like to me. For as much as sometimes you and I do not share the same brain, yeah. we certainly do in so, in so far as familiarity with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are literally having the conversation that I had this morning. It's this. Yeah. If there's this ancient, <clears throat> universal, cosmic entity that is a, as proclaimed by itself, a devourer of worlds. Galactus? <laughs> oh, no, that's Marvel. Okay, not, not okay, Pennywise. okay. What am I speaking of? Yeah. If these, na- <laughs> which the whole Native American bit in Dairy to me is also very odd. So they bring like the one black guy in Dairy to the teepee to smoke some peyote so that they can understand the way to undo this ultimately powerful ancient cosmic being. Now, here's where things get messy. Yeah. This is just cause and effect and story for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. If they try to defeat Pennywise okay. and we find out later that... They kind of succeeded, but at the same time didn't because yeah. they all died. Yeah. How in the hell mm-hmm. did they know how to tell Mike how to do it mm-hmm. until they had completely succeeded, failed? And why in the hell did Pennywise let the, what did we call this thing? We decided we were going to call it the, oh, I had a name for it. Oh. Um, the Cosmic Cask of Exorcism. Yeah. Why did Pennywise let that go yeah because to do that they would have had to do it in his presence so somehow that doesn't matter that's a story that doesn't make sense mike has it yeah but yet yeah it didn't work because yeah. the native americans are dead so then let's get to the second part that you said yeah so that's the good yeah here's where i was like okay maybe we got something here yeah. we're gonna have six people in search yeah of tokens now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is yeah. could be really great, Jesse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here we go. As they find these tokens, which mm-hmm. will have something to do with this little leather cast. Yeah. Uh, the spirit Cosmic cauldron. exorcism. Yeah. It's a chance for them to overcome the obstacles in their youth. Yes. That have led to fear and Pennywise having some dominion over them. Yes. All you got to do at this point, Jesse. Yeah. All you have to do at this point, Roger Bannister is kick it to the finish line. Yeah. You just got to get under four minutes. Mm-hmm. And this movie decides to take what are three consequential tokens and three completely indifferent tokens and smash them together. And as three of them work, one of them is so insignificant that we don't even see the quest from the person who attains it in order to carry out the exorcism in the jug. Can I? The e- rock. Yeah. And that's that that's that bothered me when when he pulled it out there at the end of the movie and I was like I was like where did you get that rock I was like did you go back after you did the drugs to like that river and you found the bloodstained rock in three hours we couldn't have found thirty seconds to show ah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was that was, that was weird I was like well uh, as we were kind of getting towards the end and I was like well I kind of can't I know a couple of the tokens I know the boat and Beverly's letter and Ben's yearbook page. I kind of don't know what everyone else's token. It wasn't clear to me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, which I'm, is that's the whole second act of the film, yeah, though. Yeah. I'm on board with this quest, but, but let's backtrack just a teensy bit. I want to actually sour mash this whole 
space creature cause why does king have to do this like yeah, i don't like, know either like why does he have to be so out of this world with grounded like horde that he's why couldn't this been of some circus clown performer who everyone hated in the 1800s and he runs across some gypsy camp and they put some gypsy curse on him and that's that's why he is the way he is now they have to dispel the gypsy curse like it, it, it takes space out of it because I'm, I'm tuning out. When I saw the design on the on the cauldron, the spirit cauldron, yeah, and it, it was like, and 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 James McAvoy's like tripping out, and like it's like a meteor hitting Earth, and I'm like, why is it? Why is it a meteor? Is this the blob? Like what? Like what is this? Right. It, it, and this is King. This is the root of King. And when I love him again, this is why I love Salem's Lot because there's none of this bullshit. And it has to do with sobriety, I think. But. Yeah. No, yeah. Then again, like it totally coming up. Like in this time period, for those that don't know, Stephen King is drinking so heavily. Oh, and he's doing got a lot of coke. Copious too. amounts of cocaine. Line after line after line. And he's writing book after book. I mean, he's turning out Pet Cemetery, It, Cujo, uh, The Dead. He's turn the the st- he's doing so much. Yeah. But like, I think a lot of the content suffers from just over excess and just. The over complexity of the situation, like to me, this is too much. Okay. I want, I want, I want cursed gypsy clown. Why can't I have that? No argument here. But okay, so let's get right into these quests then, because it goes right into the very first one. We got, we got Bill who goes to this pawn shop, and who's there? Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King, the new Stan Lee. Now is he going to be doing cameos and all these adaptations? Yeah. Okay, so there's there's a funny line in the book, and they had to have been taking a jab at the guy. Everyone keeps talking about Bill Den, 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 Denbro's book. And like, yeah, it was a great book. I really loved it. Except the ending sucked. Hated the ending. Yeah. And then King even says it. This has to be a jab at King for like writing the endings that everyone just hates. For sure. And I love that he says I'll it. I'll give him that. It, Let's give him that. That he's got enough self-efficacy to like, you know, self-deprivation to make the joke about it. To himself. even say that. Yeah. But d- doesn't it feel... Film fit this story in this film so well because the ending kind of kind of blows in the end to the letter yeah mm-hmm. to the letter T they 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 changed it a little bit from kind of book to miniseries to kind of not have it be so stupid but still it just suffers from just excess excess I think cosmic that, excess I think the finale in the first film is actually infinitely better way better yeah so let's kind of go on these quests i'll actually let you take this here kind of kind of show us where we're going with this let's start with uh beverly jessica chastain's quest first so we don't really know actually what these people are in search of no but we're going to create about an hour 10 minutes of the film where we watch them in (laughs) pursuit it really is i swear it really is (laughs) um in pursuit, uh, like there's three parts. There's the first 40 minutes, which are up to the Chinese <clears throat> restaurant. Yeah. Then the hour and 10 minutes to post, which is the pursuit of the quest. Mm-hmm. And then like a 40 minute spiel to finally come to some conclusion with Pennywise. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the middle of the second act now. Okay. And Beverly starts us off by going to the place that she grew up in, her mm-hmm. her, her Dad's childhood house, yeah. apartment, yeah. which has now been taken over by some other woman, some mm-hmm. tenant. Now I got to tell you in the trailer and a yeah. little bit of scenes I saw, I thought I was really going to like this scene. Yeah. So she goes in there, I guess, to find her token that she left behind, which is Here's the thing. your hair is winter fire. <coughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Don't forget your chance. Let me get this out. Okay. Go ahead. So we go about this, and this very cordial, nice woman literally transforms into Pennywise before her. And this is where the horror thing for me dies its final fatal moment yeah 
the woman runs around the corner, takes off her clothes, I guess because it's hot, and then comes back around the corner <laughs> as some naked, saggly, jangling, booby, weird, <laughs> CGI, animated <clears throat> bullshit yeah. that chases her out after she's recovered. Mm-hmm. The, the postcard from Ben that she doesn't know is from Ben that says yeah. here's Winterfire. But yeah. here's the wrong choice. This okay. is the Please don't forget what you're going to say because yeah, I yeah. want to hear it, but I want to yeah. get this bit out. Yeah. This isn't her token, Jesse. Yeah. This is Ben's token. Mm-hmm. Her token mm-hmm. is the perfume bottle that her dad has used to spray on her yeah. to make him think that this was his wife. Yeah. Because the reclamation of that token should be getting you over the thing that's troubled you since your youth. Am I right? Yeah. I like Why that. is it the fucking postcard, yeah, man? I like that. I like that better too. Okay. So yeah. you're, you're right. It should be Ben's. Yes. He spent so much time pining over this one moment right. for her to find out it's him. Right. A couple things. First, who uses their oven in this apartment like that in the middle of summer? Like, that's insane. Exactly. <laughs> Second of all, exactly. this is the problem with studio horror films. The Conjuring's a little bit guilty of this, too. This overabundance of this, like, CGI creatures. Oh, yeah. the, the Crooked Man oh, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too much. Go back to our list. The films like Hereditary, It Follows, The Witch, The Invitation. You're not going to see any type of this type of crap in those films. I don't know why they think that in order to scare people, they need to do something so big and outrageous that it's just so ridiculous. What's scarier than that would be just the woman naked with clown makeup on her face, yeah, like Pennywise, or just the woman naked again. That's terrifying. It follows. Like you don't. It doesn't gonna take a lot to scare me. This is just so fantastical. I just I'm not into it anymore. You get this big gangling naked thingy, and it's just it's it's. If anyone's gonna direct a horror film, it this should be Hollywood required viewing like if you, you commit to do a horror film it whatever you should have to sit down and watch two films you should have to sit down and watch jaws 1975 yeah. and you should have to sit down and watch alien 79 there and see how they use the monster in that minimally which is very minimally mm-hmm. primarily because what they had to work with wasn't quite great um so they had to come up with creative ways to like allude to what was hiding in the shadows and under the water and i think you evoke better fear in what you're not seeing i think it's chapter one and two have kind of failed in that regard for this propensity to show much too much than they really need to you have a clown i mean clowns scare people exactly yeah and a naked old lady is pretty clownish and then if you even want to push a little bit and throw a little pennywise makeup on her Fine. Here's the thing, Jesse. You've just said it so well. Yeah. In in horror, mm-hmm. what scares you isn't the reveal. What scares you is the lead up to the reveal. The reveal is the ha, ah! and that's the letting go of the the internal conflict that you have. It's basic philosophical psychological story. Yeah. So as you're creeping through the dark, that's what's scary. The as it shows. Is you to relieve the tension. And yeah. instead, they took the relieve the tension and made that the vehicle to carry this. And it just comes across to me as ridiculous. Yeah. I'll actually tell you one of the one of the best like suspense moments in the film was actually so if this wasn't enough plot for you, Henry Bowers is back and he's been let out of the Looney Ward by decomposed Patrick Hockstetter. <sighs> okay. Which I don't know if this serves a lot of purpose other than to overcome that fear that like he's back and they did him wrong. 27 years ago and they need to kill him again 
It's just another element there. And then the Patrick Hogstead or dead corpse guy just kind of disappears. Except when he shows up to pick him up in the car and yeah. drive him away from the loony bin. But after that, after they kill him, he's he's Gone. He, he's toast. Yep. Okay, but backstep. Like one of, the, I thought, the most effective moments of suspense was actually when he was in his room in the loony bin and there was the balloon under the bed. Yeah. And he's kind of pulling on it and it's doing that sound that a balloon makes when Ooh. it's rubbing up. So you're, you're waiting for it to pop. Like, I thought they had a good moment there. And I thought that was a, a pretty decent scare of what it, what it revealed. I mean, the film could have used more moments like that. If the fuse is lit, yeah. let it burn and smolder. Yeah. Don't give me a short fuse and a long, long explosion. Give me a long fuse and a short explosion. So let's pick it up with the rest of these quests for these totems or tokens. So the five remaining tokens, and for the speed of this podcast, not have a two-hour-long podcast, yeah. Mike's going to recover the rock that Beverly hit Hockstetler with, or no, Bowers, uh, Bowers with Across mm-hmm. the River from the first film. Yeah. Ben's going to get the signed yearbook page that Beverly signed in his yearbook. Mm-hmm. We actually don't ever really see Eddie get his. It ends up being his inhaler, and he gets it as a prescription, but he doesn't really have a like a moment where he recovers it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Bill gets the boat in another sequence with his with his deceased, you know, little brother. Mm-hmm. And who am I missing? Um, Richie. Richie. What's Richie's? I forgot. It's a, the token, the arcade token. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With a whole sequence of Paul Bunyan chasing him through Again, the field. Again, too much. Stupid. Too much. So at this point, all of our losers have recovered the token that's a relic of their past. Can I say something real quick, though? Yeah, sure. it, even though it is too much and like the story's just kind of like so kind of messy at this mm-hmm. point, I, I'm really liking the performances of all the actors. Like, I, I really, I'm um, like, it's not like anyone's really killing this movie for me. Like, I really like how they're playing these adult counterparts in the, in this film. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. I guess then we get to all of us have come back. And I sort of mentioned earlier, but the thing that's really troubling in this yeah. is the guy that put the losers back together, mm-hmm. Mike, yeah. doesn't even get we the don't... sequence where he recovers his token. Yeah. So, okay, we get the leather cask of cosmic exorcism. We head down into that house on the corner of whatever the hell, Derry and Maine or whatever, Fifth and Maine. It's Neville Street, Matt. Come on. All right. So we head down into that. (laughs) Yeah. And we go through a very similar sequence to what we had in the first movie, which is just the general terroristic elements of Pennywise in the haunted house to get to his lair. Yeah. Go ahead. Is this the thing moment? Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah so, that's so, why I'm giving it to you. Yeah. So we got that. They get kind of split up, and Pennywise is carving like a message in Ben's abs, ch- chiseled stomach, which metaphorically that that could that could be something there. Kind but of it's that, like, stolen from The Exorcist. Exactly. Yeah. And Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: The Dream Warriors. <laughs> like, Love that. Man. Yeah. Again, we're like we're now we're riffing on other horror films. So in the kitchen, we get kind of that moment where someone's coming out of the fridge. It's young Stanley at this point, yep. who literally is headless. His head rolls out, and no joke, grows legs, four legs, and then from behind, even illuminated from the same shot from John Carpenter's The Thing, stands up. And then we even get Richie's line that says, "You got to be fucking kidding." Yep. This is just like taken directly from The Thing. Okay. Yeah. So you, this is your baby. Yeah. This is your movie. Yeah. Like you love the thing. Do. Come on, man. At this point, were you like f you? Th- like where were you right now mentally at this point? <clears throat> I was trying to like I was trying to come to, to terms and say like are they doing? I think they were thinking they were doing like an homage to this other monster movie, 
but it just comes across as lazy and a bit of a ripoff, which I think befalls a lot of, you know, films nowadays. You know, it's the thing is so it's, it's so unique in its placement of tension and suspense and its creature effects. They're used so sparingly that when they show up, like in that moment, it's so jarring and surprising. I don't think this film has earned to have that type of moment. No. Yeah. Right. Because it's just been all it's just been so in your face with all its what they perceive as horror. That head in the thing with the spider legs is the crowning achievement of that film. Mm-hmm. Maybe the dog, but mm-hmm. no, it's that spider head. Yeah, the dog's pretty good too. Pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So we continue that, and as these guys continue, we get two more ripoffs. Blatant, which is Carrie and The Shining. Mm-hmm. Literally, Henry Bauer saying, here's Johnny, and then blood spilling in. Yeah, that was, that was odd, too. To a covered Beverly. Jessica Chastain, yeah. who looks like Carrie. Mm-hmm. What are we... Okay, so if you're ripping off your own movie mm-hmm. in the current movie, mm-hmm. something has gone awry here. I just, I don't know if there was enough here at the end to fill because it is so ridiculous. So in King's Story, let me just kind of mention kind of like what's different here. It's this gigantic spider bit. Like that's what the true form of it is meant to be is this spider, which that's so stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The clown. It's a clown. You had the clown. This is why the first film's ending is, is, is so much better. Yeah. On the wreckage of his clown caboose where he did his dancing clown show. And the, and the other thing, too, is, like, to your clown bit, because yeah. I'm right. He should just be the clown. Yeah. In that Jessica Chastain scene where she goes back to her house and meets the old lady that has the picture of her father. And we get the hint of, he came here. He he joined the circus. We get maybe a little backstory mm-hmm. into why it was clown and what that's all about. And it's never played out. Yeah. So, you, like you said, you get this big... You know, there was even that bit too where he was putting makeup on his face, right. and it was like kind of scratched like that. I wanted to see where that was going to go. Nowhere. Like we kind of never seen how it took the form of this man Pennywise, who obviously in photo evidence worked at some point in Dairy here, and it took the form of him in some way. We just never get to see that. I said something which I'll reveal later in the film, like in the podcast, to my wife at this point, yeah. and I'll reference that a little bit later. But this moment when. The head was crawling on the floor. Yeah. Started it. And then when Beverly was submerged in a shining Carrie-like sequence in the bathroom stall. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I I really did say that. And I'll reference back when we get to it a little uh, bit I later. I think that's all fair. So we get we get the... They finally do the ritual of Chud. The... <laughs> the urban uh, underground dwellers <laughs> and and they they perform this thing and again it's just like they, they decide to go the freddy krueger route with like you know how they're going to dispose of this like kind of like turning out the light on these these dead lights that are floating in this cavern i it's just i i, I just don't know at this point like it's just there's it's so busy and I don't know why the lighting choice was to have like this strobing light effect it was really hard to focus on like what they were doing, it was kind of hurting my eyes a little bit. Yeah, man, I don't even, at this point, I don't even know where we are in the story, other than we are kind of in the penultimate showdown with Pennywise, which has somehow turned into what was like a lagoon island sewer thing yeah. into a cove with caves. Mm-hmm. So we've lost all sense of geography here. Well, I imagine just in the middle of somewhere else. I imagine they're back in the cistern wherever he shriveled up at the end of the first movie. He ended up here and this is where he tried to regain his power. This is where I think I am thinking we're, th- we're at. So we get this really profound moment because Mike hasn't been honest with the rest of the losers. Yeah. And he hasn't told them that in the previous Chud sequence, everybody died. Mm-hmm. And so now 
they're mad at him, but they don't really have time to be mad at him because this large clown spider thing is chasing them through the cistern caverns and catacombs. Can I mention something real quick? Of I'll, course, I'll yeah. let you go on. No, no. In the book and miniseries, Mike's actually injured by Bowers in their previous knife exchange. He's not involved in this final bit. So it's this, act- this this gets to okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, that's probably that's better. <laughs> This gets to, since you brought up the Henry Bowers, so young Henry Bowers is in the uh, middle part of the movie, mm-hmm. puked out of the storm system that's in the system. With cistern, all the bodies. With all the rest of the bodies, and then he grows up to just be a terrible, terrible, terrible person in a mental institution. Pennywise, as you mentioned, kind of gets him back into the fold through this balloon and through his buddy that helps him break out of the, the prison. And here's the thing that is the, the, the essence of this film for me. Of all of the kids that are the losers, mm-hmm. who what's this kid's name? Bowers? Yeah. yeah. Who has Henry Bowers been the worst two of the six? Ben. Mm-hmm. Henry Bowers is going to be done away with before we get to the sequence in this movie that we're discussing right yeah. now. And he's done away by... Richie. Richie. Yeah. How... Maybe that's the book. I don't care. Yeah. If we're taught... So this is the difference between horror and coming of age yeah ben has has to be the one yeah that kills in that kills bowers it's just he has to that's just a natural alley-oop it, I, 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 and you rimrocked it see i, I kind of don't want to finish the book just because don't like don't but i'm curious to know if like king set it up this way because like naturally yeah if you're setting and this could have been a nice juxtaposition between film one and film two is if we see the torment of of uh, Bowers to to Ben, and then we get we get that payoff here because the film's good too about showing flashbacks of kind of like where they were in these moments and in this indispersed time in a character study with the movie that has the character's name Rachel, yeah. like it. Yeah, do you hear that, Rachel? I'm putting you on blast. Okay, not Moby Dick, which is also a character study of Captain Ahab through Moby Dick. Okay, but is Rebecca the main character of Rebecca? Uh, I'll give you one, but I can give you 50 more that aren't. I know. It's the exception to the rule. There's, Ra- al- there's always Rachel, that. I got your back. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm playing with Rachel. If, oh, if we have moved away from horror because it's not scary and has kind of the supernatural, weird, naked lady, schlocky, everyone's a zombie bullshit. Yeah. And we've now moved into coming of age. Ben and all of the rest of the characters have to find some resolution to their childhood problems through the battle with Pennywise. And if Pennywise's embodiment is Henry Bowers, Ben doing in Henry Bowers solves the issue of this dude tormented me. Now, that doesn't work in the movie, but it works even less for those. Let me give you the Beverly character for a minute. Yeah. Beverly character, her internal conflict and her coming of age bit is she has terrible taste in men. Yeah. Jesse, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. who does she choose? Yeah. Sweet hot body guy from the gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No progress. Mm-hmm. I guess Richie's big arc that has come to be revealed is he's actually gay mm-hmm. and had a thing for Eddie. Yeah. And you know what that ends up being at the end is repression to fucking straight regret. Yeah. And then let me give you Mike's. Yeah. Mike's big issue is he has to get out of the attic. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally his arc. I think the only one who had maybe maybe any try to kind of true like overcoming this this thing would maybe be Eddie. No, I'm he pretty, gets puked uh, on his face and he continues. Yeah, would be Bill with 
finally being able to put Georgie aside. Okay. Yeah. Maybe one of them. But yeah, maybe one. But yeah, you're right. I'm like, like it, it kind of fails in the regard of, of, of the rest of them. Through the power of friendship, they dis, they, they defeat. Again, okay, let's get to it. <laughs> Eddie's dealt a fatal blow. He's yeah. stabbed. He's bleeding out. They need to kill this thing. So, again, uh, they take the Freddy Krueger route. Mm-hmm. Like, and So this is what I kind of dislike about Nightmare 1. Maybe we're going to talk about that one day here soon. Ooh, that would be fun. But literally, Nancy in that film turns her back on Freddy Krueger, dissolves him of all his powers, and he just dissolves into an ether, which is kind of stupid. <sighs> Don't they do the same thing here? They literally say, you're just a clown. You're just a, a, a phony. You're a, they use a bunch of other words. But then he starts shrinking and dissolving into, essentially, he looks like the alien from Men in Black that was in the dude's head. You're right, he does. <laughs> Can I piggyback on that? Yeah, go ahead. Because, like, I, 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 this, Guys, I this, this is like so it. contrived and on the nose I, I mean this in what the words coming out of my mouth. I mean this. Mm-hmm. They literally break his heart yeah. with words, with mean words of friendship uniting. To call Pennywise this ancient, cosmic, all-powerful, world, world-eating world being a clown and have that break him down and call him, you fucking jerk! Your mother, your son of a motherless goat! Like, whatever their bullshit, like barbs that they shoot at him shrivels Pennywise to a little sack of potato-esque clownishness and they stick their hands in him and pull out the heart and then all grab hands together and literally break his heart with friendship. Fuck you, part two. That is so stupid. That is absurd for five hours of movie. And we're not even through the mon- more on the point ending yet. Mm-hmm. They literally break his heart with mean words. Yeah, they, how stupid! They pull a Kali Ma on him. My, yes. my my buddy Andrew said it best last said it best last night. He's like, the moral of this story was words do hurt. <laughs> kind of a thing. Who would have thought? All you had to do was tell Pennywise that you're a clown. You said he would have gone away and twenty seven years and ago. And he would have shriveled. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just. I can't believe this is like the ending too. But again, this is this is the source material, like kind of a thing. Yeah. Like I can't. Like it's hard to fault like Machete for his directorial mm-hmm. choices at this point because he's just trying to follow the blueprint that King, like in his cocaine laden state, yeah. thought this was. And maybe in the book it has some deeper meaning that I just don't I don't have time to be reading. But like here on film, it just doesn't work. And and more on that later. What works best on film and what doesn't? Right. Fair. Let's wrap this thing up because it's so. This is the first of four endings. <laughs> it goes the Return of the King route here. It goes the Return of the King. Um, goes the re- the Gangs of New York. It goes. Um, uh, what's the um, Tommy Lee Jones? Um, Avengers. No End- Country for Old Men. Avengers Endgame kind Avengers. of did, did this too. Yeah. All right. So we escape. <clears throat> Eddie's dead. Pennywise's heart is destroyed. It's the 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 house. The, the house devolves a Niebold Street like Poltergeist. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. You're right. Is it buried on ancient Indian burial ground? Probably. Probably. No. King, probably yeah, is. King, think about it. King loves like this Native American like like site thing like he, it, pet cemetery that's like. how the probably native americans were able to tell mike through some peyote and a teepee how to kill this thing even <laughs> though they couldn't do it, it, it themselves probably one thing they did leave out of the the film too was after if you didn't have enough of the three endings there was a fourth like a fifth a final ending where this hurricane nor'easter storm comes into Derry and just totally levels the town oh of God. like wiping it of its evil so, so basically it's carry part two <laughs> 
When she burns down the town in the book? <laughs> yes. Okay, so we escape. Everyone's sad. We go back to the place where they strip down to their underwear in the first movie, and I'll take a dip in there. Bill Hader loses his glasses, and we get the moment where they all sort of coalesce around him and hold him, and we share forgotten youth returned in the power of friendship fade the fuck out yeah that's nope that should have been the ending go to Mm -hmm. uh james mcavoy bill yeah working on a script actually through writer's block and actually carrying along mike calls him Mm -hmm. with the hey man just want to say i was checking on you and i love you bro real quick wouldn't it have been cool if he was writing the book like it like he was writing a movie called pennywise or something yes Wasted opportunity, man. Well, what are you doing? Like, Working on an ending. You're going to like this one. Something, right? Yeah. Okay, so then the goodbye to, re- to remind us like, oh, yeah, they're all friends. And after 27 years of not seeing each other, they're friends. Yeah. Okay, fade the fuck out. Yeah. Nope. We get, did you get the letter? Yeah. So now we get the third ending, which is the memoir of Stanley and why he committed suicide, which is how the movie should have started because it rallied the troops and brought them all together and he would have been a hindrance. And now we're on to our fourth ending, which is this overwrought Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men, Daniel Day-Lewis in, in Gangs of New York. Like, you didn't get the message of this movie because it's such a hot mess, so let me give it to you in memoir form and voiceover one more time. And, like, friendship is eternal, blah, 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 blah. And we finally, after four tacky, sentimental, over-the-top, stuff-it-down-your-throat camaraderie of youth bullshit lost we finally fade out at three hours is that a fair way to end that film yeah did i summarize it accurately that's pretty good let me just ask i think you really like this movie Uh, you know where i'm going (laughs) yeah anyway no this is actually another problem i have with i guess a a lot of movies that get made today is that they don't know when to end when they need to end i've mentioned this film a lot in films past it's Whiplash. Mm-hmm. This film has maybe one of the best film endings that I can remember in the last 25 years. Yeah. And it ends exactly when it needs to end and it doesn't go on to tell you some coda and kind of tie it up in a bow for you in case you didn't understand like what it all meant. Right. Like That's a real smart ending to a film. Yeah, here there's this uh, propensity to really tie up and neatly like kind of push everyone in their, their own direction. And I, I agree with you. Probably the ending of the film was them in the in the the quarry, wherever whatever they're calling these bodies of water at this point. I think it's a quarry, right? Yeah, embracing Richie. Yeah, that they, they finally defeated this thing, and now we can have this final warm embrace. That's it's a nice moment. End your movie. No, it's like another ten minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. And as that voiceover letter is being read, mm-hmm. which stops being the letter and just ends up being this monologue of just platitudes and philosophical s camaraderie i like what you said though like like stanley like if he had committed suicide and that was kind of like if you got to kind of like rewrite a lot of the book though like they do remember everything about the first film and everything that happened to them and they go their separate ways and he kills himself and then kind of like called the action he was so terrified by their experiences they decide to rally and come back to put this thing to bed that's a pretty good beginning to a movie you know what i mean could we that saves a good yeah 30 minutes could we end it this way Uh, this is just right now so it's a little bit contrived but let me give you the same ending in one scene okay so we finish at the quarry embrace bit that you were talking about yeah cut to some time later not too far six months maybe a year and it's bill and his wife at the baptism of their child okay 
And everybody that was one of the losers is there. Mm -hmm. We see Bill Hader with his boyfriend. Mm -hmm. We see like all things like Mike's left the attic. What a nice character arc Mike gets. He gets to leave the attic. (laughs) Literally, that's his that's his curse. He's stuck in an attic, Jesse. His comeuppance, his just desserts at the end is he gets to leave the attic and know, go like, watch the sunrise. Mike and Stanley just like like they they just did not get their just desserts in like any of this part of the story. So they show <laughs> they show up. We have a moment where they're all part of each other's lives oh, that'd still. Be, that'd be good, and we get it. Yeah. And then at the end, they're like to the man who couldn't be here, and it's Stanley and Ching. Fade out. I don't even know if we need that. Let's stick it in the quarry. They embrace. I think we get the same thing. They, they, they're, they're, they've, they've relished this through the, through their friendship over the years. They've come together. They're going to be in each other's lives for forever. Let's just leave it at that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Then, then at least I'm like, okay. So this was a story about friendship. Yeah. Can I, I mention a couple other things that kind of got left yes. out? Um, yeah. Bill's wife actually has a much bigger role in this story. I read a little bit about that, too. She's probably relegated to just kind of being in that one scene. And then the other big one, too, and probably thank God that they left all of this out. Well, well, that, but then also Maturin, this fucking turtle. Oh. Like, he shows up in here, and, like, again, it's just just too fantastical. Like, that was, like, an interest. Like, they made some allusions to the turtle throughout the films, like homages. But thankfully, they kind of let that part out because it wasn't ridiculous enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, the space turtle pushes you. That's jumping the shark. That was the day when he wrote and he did a line of cocaine and then went to the the typewriter and then was like, oh no, I need one more. And then then went to the typewriter and then was like, space turtle. Love it. Go with that. Go with that. And then the publishers. Uh, the, okay, here's the other problem too. In the eighties, are you gonna as the publisher, Doubleday, whatever you are, are you gonna tell Stephen right. King no? No. Exactly. Yeah, you're gonna just tell him to do whatever you want. Power. New York Times bestseller. Exactly. Power. And you know what? The, that book goes to number one, like everything else did. Yeah. And it just empowers him to do more and more nonsense. I think that's why I like early King. Yeah. I think that's why Salem's Lot is my favorite. Is it's before he became the King we know. It was restrained. It was him before fame. He still had meagle, uh, like frugal beginnings. I think he was still teaching writing at that point. Such is the curse of success, right? Could be. You, you get to a point where anything can get greenlit. So yeah. literally anything gets greenlit. Yeah, that's that's dangerous. Like, yeah, it's I, that's that's art too. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. I think yeah, like you have that hubris that like I can do no wrong, right? And then you end up doing wrong. So well said. I guess time now more than ever. So we'll rate these films. We have Rock Gut, uh, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. I talked. You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I talked about it earlier. Or do you want to go first? No, you go first. I talked about it earlier when I said that you know this is the point where I leaned over to my wife and said something. So I'll tell you what that is. Now. Okay. I literally leaned over to my wife and said, if it wasn't for the podcast tomorrow, I would leave this movie right now. The movies that Jesse makes me watch to do this podcast. No, no, I wanted to see it. <laughs> no, yeah, I really did. Like, as much as hard as I was on on it last week, yeah, like that was still a palatable enough film, mm-hmm. all things considered. Yeah, I was I was ready to walk out when she's in that bathroom stall and it's blood, and we get Ben's hand through the dirt, which is Carrie, and she's Carrie, and we're just just blatantly ripping things off for visual effect to no purpose of story. I was done, man. Yeah. I was done. Um, I kept going back to, is this a horror film or is this a coming-of-age film? If it's horror, it better be scary. Complete fail. There's not a scary moment in the whole movie. Yeah. If it's a coming-of-age film, then I have to see young to old, a bridge, an arc that moves you, and Pennywise 
is the motor that moves you over the bridge of arc to some transformative state that doesn't happen. I don't even really think it happens with Bill. He still stutters. He still can't get over the death of Bru- of Martha Wayne. I mean, his brother Georgie, Martha, <laughs> right? Because it's Martha. Hard- oh my God. Okay, I guess no, yeah. Bev has a better ending, except she still only picked the hot guy. Um, Mike gets to leave his attic. Mike gets to leave the attic, and Richie comes to terms with his homosexuality, which is only played out in one scene in the entire film yeah. where he gets his token. Yeah. And that looks like him going back to the bridge mm. and writing with his little pocket knife R plus E, which is now repression to regret. Doesn't work as coming of age either. No. Jesse, no, yeah. this is close for me mm-hmm. to Serenity. This is pure rot gut. This movie is awful. It's terrible. We actually got a refund last night after I left. Mm-hmm. I hated it that much. What did you tell them? This movie sucks. <laughs> and they're like, you sat through the whole thing. I'm like, I know three hours of it. Can I please get a rain check? And they said yes. Dude, you're so brave. I know. Love you. I hate it. Excellent. It's awful. Okay. Worst, second worst movie of the year. It's close to Serenity. Okay. Interesting. I hate it. Um, yeah, I... I, I I really, I really do enjoy the first film. I think it's a much simpler tale. Yeah. The, I think the kids are really easy to get behind, and we want to see them succeed from beginning to end. There's a lot to like about about that here. Well, I do really lo- enjoy the casting of the older. I thought, I thought they knocked that out of the park actually, um, and I kind of like that. A lot of them were were some unknown actors. That way, I wasn't distracted by like Ben Affleck or yeah. so. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was a nice, a nice thing. But a lot of the problems just uh, they derive from just King source material, and yeah. it's just excess, too much, too ridiculous. Where I tune out, the film's overlong. I don't fault Andy Machete for it, it's an unenviable task to adapt that book as it is to adapt a lot of things. Agreement in 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 Hollywood. Yep, I'll probably be you know well plus to kind of call minus. There were some parts in this that I did enjoy. I did enjoy the banter that they had between you know you might have thought that you know. Eddie and Richie were trying to like overtake the screen, but I I, I kind of like I I like sequences like that. But man, the last act is is very messy, and the multiple endings I like it less than chapter one. Is it the worst Stephen King adaptation? It's that's still a no. Maximum Overdrive and Silver Bullet are still in play. Dear God, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just it's a misstep. But I think I I was when I walked into this, I knew what was awaiting me. I've I I knew what what happens in the second part of that book. I've seen the miniseries. I knew it was troubling because it's not as interesting and it's not as well executed. It kind of showed last night, so that's where I'm at with that yeah, one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also don't disagree with the performances. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader's you know pretty good. Jessica Chastain she can do no wrong in my eyes. Although she needs to be careful because she's had. Two relative stinkers in a row, Dark Phoenix and now this. Like she needs. Well, this this film will make money. It's it's gonna make. Was your theater full last night? Oh yeah, there were four people in my theater. Uh, last it, night. It's gonna. I already looked at the numbers. It's gonna clear a hundred million this weekend. So Good God. it'll be a hit. Where you need to be okay with it is that there's no more it to tell after this story. So yeah. there's no more sequel. Well, but we'll see. <laughs> I I just think I'm very curious to see now because we had this King adaptation and then coming up now in November we have Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Yeah, so King's having a resurgence. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing cuz like 
well, uh, it chapter one was a decent, you know, kind of entry. Pet Cemetery was kind of a colossal miss too. We covered that one. Um, you know, the Carrie remake, Dark Tower, is way worse than this film. Like that movie's abysmal. Uh, I don't know if this resurgence of King's necessarily a good thing, but maybe that's a perfect segue into our nightcap. One more quick thing before I say that. Yeah. I wondered, it we'll never know because yeah. we're not going to be in the room. Yeah. But I wonder when James McAvoy mm-hmm. and Jessica Chastain sat down with each other, mm-hmm. established theater more okay. than just movie stars. And they've been in film a film together. Multiple films, actually. Did they say to each other, yeah. oh my God, why did we do this film? Like, I kept thinking, Jessica. Maybe. What? Would she's in that, and she's she. I'll give her credit, man. She is all in. She is working her tail off to deliver. So is James McAvoy. Bill Hader for the limited range that he has is also pretty damn good. I just wonder with those two specifically, from the levels that they've been and the levels that they've seen, high to low. Jessica Chastain's an Academy Award winning actor actress. Jesse, yeah. I, did I, she did she say to McAvoy? Oh my god! I I look wa- at this bullshit. I wonder about that in Hollywood too. Just if like, and this is kind of the difference between a lot of actors. Like you know, you do a lot of great films like a Molly's Game or a Zero Dark Thirty right. or like Split. And what's the bootlegger one that she did with? Um, I'll look it up. Keep going. I'll okay. But like you do those type of movies and you're like, well, in order to kind of like keep this momentum going, we kind of have to do these kind of big budget films to kind of stay in that spotlight. Yeah. And it's a risk, you know, what what's going to be a winner and what's not going to really perform, you know, like I think that's... Lawless. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, with Tom Hardy. Yeah. I think that's just part of the game. You know what I mean? I think you have to kind of make those decisions at, at, at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Let's kind of get to our nightcap talking about King one final time for this cask. You know, maybe it being so monumental of a piece of work. Look at it, man. It's there on the bottom shelf there. <laughs> maybe something like that is best suited for television, whether a series yeah. or a TV movie or whatever. So maybe there's rumors that they're going to do Salem Lot for film, The Stand. Maybe that's not a great idea. What do you think is Stephen King's kind of... A story that'd be best suited for television and totally avoid the film route. The Dark Tower. That's <laughs> and it was. Yeah, it went from Ron Howard to a film to a series. Uh, I've read that series. Yeah, I really like it. Mm-hmm. And there's some weirdness in there too. Like the last two and a half, three books of that get to be in this sort of drug-induced state that you've referenced earlier in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I love. It's science fiction western, but restrained. Yeah. There's no way they can do that in a movie, obviously. But the movie that came wasn't even the movie they were supposed to make. Yeah, it's a mess. That was such a development hell story. We could probably do a whole podcast on that someday. <laughs> if they could just settle down yeah. and just let that be, you know, a 12 run. And maybe that's the first two books. Like um, 12 episode on Netflix, run on Netflix. Hulu, yes. Amazon Prime. It's so, it's so perfect for that venue it's yeah. not a movie man yeah you can't do seven books in a movie as we've talked about in in weeks past i think in the john wick episodes just like tv's propensity to really uh sit around talk oh no it was tarantino yeah sit around have a conversation for to pad 13 episodes man king's books it's like that's that's what it is do you have do that a familiarity with the dark tower have you read no, I, that's i haven't touched any of that i'm gonna have to let you borrow my series on that you will love it okay it really is terrific especially the first four books are just like him at his best sure again before he did too many drugs right 
Because then he got clean, and then some of the stuff in the early 90s, like Dolores Claiborne and like Green, like that stuff's pretty good. We know what happens is like during the Dark Tower run is when he has that injury, that auto accident, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the inspiration for Misery. Yeah. That's where he starts to use pain relievers, and that's where this all begins. Mm-hmm. And you can literally see in the book. So it's like, I think, book through four. And then there's like a five-year hiatus, mm-hmm. and then a return to, and the difference is noticeable as an understatement. Have you read any of his like newer works? No. Like, yeah, I haven't either. I kind of want to read Doctor Sleep though. Now, yeah, we might have to do that before the new film. Yeah, my entry is going to be pretty interesting just because of the plethora of crap that's come from it. It's got to be Night Shift. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't do Night Shift as like a TV show on Amazon Prime, and then each episode is just an adaptation of one of the short stories. Terrific. I got to read off the stories that are some in there. Jerusalem's Lot, Graveyard Shift, The Mangler, Trucks, which is Maximum Overdrive. Sometimes they come back, Timothy Hutton. Mm-hmm. Strawberry Spring, which is my favorite because it's actually a slasher. Mm-hmm. The Lawnmower Man, Children of the Corn. All those movies are dog shit. Like, it's it's hard to extract. Okay, so the opposite end of the spectrum. To take from it and make it into a two-hour movie, that's hard. To take from uh, 30 pages in a short story and make that into a two-hour film, that's hard too. Like, yeah. those movies suffer immensely from trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. Just do that on a, on a 40-minute t- episode of a TV series. Like, that could be great. Yeah. I think they did do... Uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes as a TNT like miniseries. Oh right, I one, remember that one time. Mm-hmm. But Night Shift, honestly, and maybe Skeleton Crew have the best collection of short sto- short stories. So I'd actually like to see that as a series. That'd be great. Yeah, it's good. So excellent. It's been fun talking about King again. The man's perplexing, but man, he's he, he's written some great stuff. Maybe Matt, next time when we come to to King for part three of King's Landing. Might have to look at his drama side, his softer side. Maybe a little Stand By Me, maybe a little Shawshank Redemption. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a, a, a fun way to go. But let's let the listeners know what's kind of coming up on the horizon. We're staying in this horror barrel. We're going to play around in this. It's the time of the season. The weather's changing. Thank Christ it's changing. No Jesus, joke. It's been so hot. Oh, my gosh. I can't kidding. wait for the fall, the changing of the weather, Halloween. It may be the best season of all of them. Yes. So excited for it. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to be dabbling into some found footage. And we're going to call this cast Just Press Record. We're going to start with uh, a doozy. We're going to start with, I believe, from 2007, Wreck, R-E-C. And it's a Spanish-made horror film. It was remade in the States as Quarantine. Matt, you've never seen this film, have you? So this, No, I haven't. What's going to be cool about this is we're going to preview it right before the podcast for me. Yeah. And then I'm going to go in cold, well, cold, hot. Coldish. Hottish, Hot-ish. whatever that is. Yeah. Lukewarm. Bam, right into it. <laughs> So yeah. you'll have a much more advantageous position with the knowledge on this. So you'll get pure, unadulterated, raw, this is what I think about you're it. You're going to get raw, Matt? Yeah. Oh, no. God, that might be dangerous. Buckle up, buttercup. No, I think you're going to really like the film. I trust you. But, yeah, that'll be fun. We're gonna, Yeah, we're going to watch the film and then immediately come in here and record, like, a raw take. We'll find one of those down the line where I do that to you. Yeah, there you we'll go. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. Yeah. So you, we're going to be tabling into that genre, that subgenre of horror that's kind of took off uh, uh, post-1999. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about the film from that year, too. Yes, but this will. is going to be a fun cast leading up to it's going to take us into October. That's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe something in October having to do with clowns? Maybe. Hmm. God, these damn clowns, they keep following us. Keep showing up. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. I got to go. I got to go find my token. I don't know what it is, so I might be searching for a really long time. I think I see a red balloon out there. 
I'm going to follow it. Yes. I'm kind of done with Pennywise. Uh, Quarter-wise. <laughs> Cheers. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and leave us an email at risemileproductions at gmail.com. It, Chapter 2, is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, Double Dream, Vertigo Entertainment, and Ride Back, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I was always daddy's little girl. What about you? Are you still his little girl, Beverly? Are you?